0: We are on lesson number nine of the winter quarter. The title of the lesson is The Kingdom Divides. And the scriptures covered our first Kings chapter twelve verse one through chapter sixteen verse twenty-eight and also second chronicles chapters ten through six. So Lord we do thank you for your word which is eternal in the heavens and we thank you that we can learn things from your word that we cannot learn anywhere else. We pray that as we look at the uh, progeny of Solomon and uh, what happened, that we can learn things in our lives about how to remain faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first section as Rehoboam asserts his strength. So now in the, you know, we've had several lessons on Solomon. And now the pace is going to pick up and race. <laughs> and uh, so you, you can't really study these things very carefully in the time we have. But this this lesson is going to cover the period of time from the beginning of the divided kingdom, which was... 930 BC. And so, both Rehoboam's reign in Judah started in 930 BC, and also Jeroboam's reign in the northern tribes in Israel started in 930 BC. And this lesson will continue through in Judah. It will go through the reign of Asa, which is in 869 BC, and in Israel, it will go through the reign of Omri. And Omri's reign ended in 874 BC. So it's a lot of ground being covered. In Judah, it's three kings, Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. In in, uh, Israel, it's Jeroboam, then Nadab, Baasha, Elah, Zimri, Omri, Tibni, and Omri won. Tibni and Omri were in a civil war for a few years. Okay, so how about I'll read that first section. Does that sound good? So First Kings 12, 1 through 11. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, he was living in Egypt for he was yet in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came, and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days, then return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me to answer this people? Then they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today, and will serve them, and grant them their petition, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give, that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So, he made a bad choice, (laughs) didn't he? Verse 1, Rehoboam went to Shechem in northern Ephraim for his coronation. Shechem was in northern Ephraim. The quarterly has a little blurb on the history of Shechem. Yeah, Abraham first camped there in Genesis chapter 12. Jacob camped in Shechem when returning from living with his uncle Laban. Laban. When Joshua led Israel into the promised land, the people held a covenant renewal ceremony on Mounts Ebal and Gerizim. Those were hills on either side of Shechem. Joshua called Israel to Shechem again at the end of his life, and that's where he said, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Um, Jacob also bought a plot of land in Shechem. Shechem's actually where uh, Dinah was raped. Uh, yeah. Shechem was the name of the prince that, that raped her. And so Jacob had bought a plot of land there, and that's where Joseph's bones were buried when they were brought up from Egypt. Shechem was one of three cities of refuge, and it was one of the four Levitical cities in Ephraim. So Shechem had a lot of history, and uh, there had been an uprising in Solomon's day under Jeroboam, and Jeroboam was an Ephraimite, and so the quarterly postulates that that is why Rehoboam went to Ephraim, to Shechem, for his coronation. To try to cement the loyalty of the Ephraimites, so in verse three, the leaders of Israel called for Jeroboam to negotiate with. Him. So then they sent and called him Jeroboam, and all and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. So they knew about, they remembered him. Remember he fled to Egypt because Solomon was trying to kill him. So they didn't the uh, The Israelites didn't like how things had become under Solomon. Now, early in his reign, things were good under Solomon. So yeah, remember, early in Solomon's reign, he was following the Lord. And in 1 Kings 4.20, it said, Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. They were happy folk. Then toward the end of his reign, they were not so happy anymore. They were not so happy and so they come to him, to his son Rehoboam, and they want to negotiate. So remember under Solomon, he developed a labor force that was, um, you know, it was foreigners that were still in the land, but he also drafted Israelites and sent them to Lebanon in shifts. Uh, while he's building the temple. And then also, he had high taxes for support, and we learned this in uh, previous lessons, and that is in uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 19. There were 12 deputies over all Israel who provided for the king and his household. Each man had to pro- provide for a mo- for a month in the year. And it was... A lot of meat and a lot of grain and a lot of things and the quarterly maps out where these uh, governors were and Judah was excluded from this yeah Judah was excluded and so all the others were under these under this taxation and uh, so the, they're coming to Rehoboam now and saying lighten the load Lighten the load, and we will serve you. It yeah, sounds like well. it sounds like it's a lot like union negotiations, you know? And uh, I think unions are good in the private sector. In the public sector, I don't think they're good because it's one-sided. Because the union supports the, the political leaders. The political leaders do whatever the union wants so that they get the support of the le- political leaders. So I am against public sector unions and for... Yeah, if they, would be willing to, if they would be willing to stand up, it would be okay, but they're not. We're have a lot of Reagan, so. so they asked him to lighten the load, and then Rehoboam consulted two groups. He consulted his father's advisors, probably because he felt out an obligation, yeah. yeah. So, and they spoke to him, and they gave him wise advice. If you will be a servant to this people today. Now, isn't that what Jesus tells us about leadership? to be a servant to the people you're leading. And, um, and you know, if you look in verse 8, so verse 7 says, The elders spoke to him, saying, If you'll be a servant to this people today, will serve them and grant them their petitions. Speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. The first part of verse 8, But he forsook the counsel of the elders. This is before he asked the young man, he said, no, I don't, I don't want to do He'd that. He'd already made up his mind. He'd yeah. made up his mind. Yeah, yeah. So he, basically, he wanted confirmation of what he wanted to do. Yeah. So his friends went along, and, you know, they weren't really young. I mean, Rehoboam was 41 when he took power. And so, and so he spoke harsh to them. He said that they would make things more difficult and then he used this uh, analogy of my father disciplined with you you with whips but i will discipline you with scorpions which were whips with things on the end that would cut when you whip people so it was very severe so he so the question is should leaders and this is the answer is obvious but should leaders be servants or overlords to their subjects <laughs> yeah what happens when the leaders are a tyrannical eventually and it creates political instability oh, yeah. right because people rebel and it causes bloodshed lots, of, lots death. of death yeah it causes lots of death and you know even in this lesson we have today let's see the in Judah, there were three kings. In Israel, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in the same amount of time because of political instability in the north. And that is because they were not listening to the Lord. Okay, so that is Rehoboam asserting his strength. So the next section. Israel divides from Judah. Now, remember, this is exactly what the prophet Ahijah said. And the prophet Ahijah told Jeroboam earlier that he would wait, God would wait until Solomon had died for the sake of his father, David, and he would tear the kingdom out of his son's hand. So this is going to be a fulfilled prophecy. Anybody up to read in this next section? Twelve through twenty-four. Okay, so verse twelve, they Rabbum asked for three days to make his decision. I think he'd probably already made his decision before, you know, the moment they asked. But he waited for three days so he could. He talked to the elders, rejected their advice, and then talked to the younger guys. No, uh, he was deliberating. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was deliberating. Yes. That's right. So, and then the king gave the answer of a cruel and petty tyrant. That was the answer he gave. Cruel and petty tyrant. And so the ten tribes rebelled. And then verse 15 is a fascinating verse. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from the Lord that he might establish his word, which the Lord spoke through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Nebat. So God's will is done. Okay, so both, that is fascinating because does that mean that God made Rehoboam do that? No. He didn't make him make that choice. What is so amazing about the world and its history is that God's will will be done and he incorporates the free choices of man. He didn't He's choose the for him, the hard thing. Yeah. Right. He yeah. didn't choose for him. You know, again, this, yeah. this goes to election and things like that and very difficult stuff. But, you know, God made us in his image and he will not take that away. Um, so, I mean, we reject... A lot of the teachings of Calvinism, which says that there is no choice, that you're just an automaton, that God has to give you faith, all that stuff. We know that people have choice because God made us in his image, and that is why we preach to the lost. We want them to be saved. But this is at the end of Romans 9 through 11, which is kind of talks about this. You know, I mean, it's amazing. You can't figure it out. He he is unfigurable. God is unfigurable. That's why he's God. (laughs) And we're thankful for that. So it was Rehoboam's immaturity and petulance and Jeroboam's lust for power. That was the means by which God fulfilled his will. That was the means by which God brought his prophecy to pass. So in you know in the Kings and Chronicles books, if you want, if you're if you're wondering about the veracity of the Bible, there are multiple, multiple sh- fulfilled short-term prophecies in the Kings and Chronicles books, and this is one of them, and uh, you know relatively short-term and fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. So that is why we believe the Bible. So um, now verses, verse 18 speaks of, it says Adoram, some places it says Adoniram. Um, we've kind of followed this man's career uh, through this study. He started under King David. He went all through Solomon's reign, which is 40 years, and we see him here under Rehoboam's reign. So he's getting to be an old man, and he For the whole time was the overseer of the forced labor, even under David, and um, Rehoboam's choice got him murdered because they rebelled against them, and he was the one—he was the face that they saw, you know—as the The as the task the taskmaster of the forced labor, and he was murdered. So, verse twenty-one, Rehoboam was going to fix this by human means. When Rehoboam had come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and all the tribe of Benjamin. Remember when we had the problem in the biblical text about, they talked about 11 tribes, where was the other tribe? And uh, so you see, Benjamin is with Rehoboam. And Benjamin is the territory in which Jerusalem resides. So the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. But then Shemaiah, and I believe this is the only time this prophet is described in the Bible, came to Rehoboam and said, Thus says the Lord, You must not go up and fight against your relatives, the sons of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing has come from me, from God. And... Rehoboam listened to that, so they went home. Okay, so that is interesting. Rehoboam listened to the prophet at that time, and he didn't do what he had planned to do. So we learn from the parallel passage in Second Chronicles, and it's 2 Chronicles 11, verse 17 to 12 1, that, Rehoboam's mother was an Ammonitess, so she was a pagan. And they worshipped the god Milcom, and I believe also the god Molech, which was the one involved in child sacrifice. But Rehoboam followed the Lord for three years when he first started. And then he went the way of his mother. So uh, who your parents are makes a difference. And this goes back to what Solomon did; he should have stuck with one Jewish wife, <laughs> and instead, he had a thousand wives. And his yeah, his first wife was uh, Pharaoh's daughter, pagan, and he had all sorts of pagans, and they turned him. So, um, and now Rehoboam, you know, grew up. You know, his father may have been godly at first, but he saw his father change and morph into a, a, a pagan worshiper, a idol worshiper. And so, you know, what your children see you do does make a difference in their life. Okay, so we're to the next section. Jeroboam sets up rival worship centers. Okay, so that's First uh, Kings 12, verses 25 through 33. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places, and made priests from among all the people who were not... Of the sons of Levi, Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which is in Judah, which is on in the seventh month, and he went up to the altar, so he's acting as priest and king both, thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made, and he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Yes. Yeah, so in verse 25, he built in Shechem. Now this is where Rehoboam went for his coronation to Shechem. So Jeroboam said, okay, I got the northern tribes with me. I'm going to take that city for my own. And he did live there initially. We learned later that he went to a town named Tirza. Tirzah later. And the capital of the northern kingdom eventually became Samaria, which was uh, built by Omri, who was Ahab's father. Omri, and he's at the end of our lesson today. But, so he started out in Shechem, and then verse 26, now Jeroboam said in his heart, from the heart is the wellspring of life, right? That is what the Proverbs say, which Solomon wrote, the heart is the wellspring of life. Jeroboam said in his heart, now what had Ahijah told Jeroboam? when he prophesied that the ten tribes would go to him, that God would give him the ten tribes, he told him, If you follow the Mosaic Covenant, I will extend your dynasty forever. So he was given a promise by God. He was given a promise by God of how to make his kingdom secure. He said, The kingdom will return to David. What does that mean? He did not believe God. I'm sure that if Jeroboam had believed God and had done that, the Davidic line would continue, but he would have kept his promise to Jeroboam. He would have maintained his line. Okay, that is why faith is so, so necessary to us, you know, for life in this world, or we, you know, do stuff like he did, (laughs) Now he, and he, there's no evidence that he was ever a believer. Jeroboam, he was an ambitious young man, and that's why Solomon picked him out. He was capable. He, you know, he was a, a self mover. Yeah, he was a, he was a mover and a doer, and uh, so he, he never, you know, never showed any evidence of trust in the Lord, which is what brings salvation so he he did not believe this promise from god and this promise from god is counterintuitive from a human viewpoint and that is always going to be true every time we act in faith it's going to appear counterintuitive it is not going to make sense to us and that is why and so we trust god that's what faith is and he will make it work out no no i mean just like here he's thinking now the kingdom will return to the house of David. That is what it looked like to him. If he had faith, he would say, that's what it looks like, but I'm going to believe God. And it would work out. Right, right. And, you know, Satan... Now, do you think that what was set up here was satanically motivated? What Jeroboam set up? Yeah. You know, I, I have no sets doubt. He just sets yeah. that whole thing up. I have you know, no doubt. Or, you know, it, well, yeah, you know, Satan is not original. He, he's not original and Jeroboam was not original. What he did was he took Israel's worship and he tweaked it. He Aaron, tweaked it. Aaron did the same thing. yeah, he tweaked it and and gave them an idol which the flesh likes, the flesh likes, you know a God that you can look at. and he tweaked the festivals and he tweaked the priesthood. You know, but he has all those things, so he he is a copycat. Satan is a copycat, so right it right it deceives it deceives people, and Satan is excellent at that. <laughs> yes exodus thirty two now, this was back in the old days. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, okay, so there was a waiting period. The people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a god who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which are in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and made it into a molten calf. And they said, they said, he didn't say, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So I just want to point out the outcome of this. So in Exodus 32, 20, this is what Moses did. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink it. So he ground up their idol, put it in water, and made them drink the filings. Okay, then the next thing, 26 through 28 of Exodus 32, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him, He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp and kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. And it's not over. Then thirty. Exodus thirty-two thirty-five. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. So the last time they dealt with the golden calves, the outcome was harsh punishment. Some of it execution by their own kinsmen, the Levites. Levites, and that was necessary. Yeah, and And he wants us to be holy as Christians. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's in either 1st or 2nd Peter. Yeah, Yeah. So he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be set apart, and he's very holy. uh, I'd say that was his dominant characteristic. I mean, he is love. You know, he is very gracious. He's very patient. But he is holy. That's what the angels sing around him all the time, holy. So, um, and if we want temporal blessing, temporal blessing in this life, we need to seek it too. You know, we can be saved by faith alone and Christ alone, irrespective of works. But if we want blessing in this life, we want to be submitting to what the Lord tells us to do. And one of the things he tells us to do is to seek holiness Right, it gives us a platform yeah. as ambassadors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, we want to live lives supernatural, you know, and uh, have people see that. So verse twenty nine, he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now Dan was in the far north, and Dan was already bathed in idolatry from the time yeah. of the judges. So, so they had lots of issues. Now Bethel was actually in the tribe of Benjamin, the land of Benjamin in the north of Benjamin. So Benjamin, for the most part, followed the Judean kings, but they had an idol center in the north in their in their uh, property. And you know what? This worship system never left Israel, ever, until they were carted off by the Assyrians. So, and then verse 32, This, you know, this is really arrogant, I thought. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month. So he just, he moved it a month. That was the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't know what he called this. So he did all this to accomplish what he desired. And what, so anyway, Jer- the reason Jeroboam did all this He made two cold calves. He uh, changed the priesthood. He changed the festivals. He himself merged king and priest. Now remember when in Judah, if the kings tried to take the priest's role and do both things, Saul did that. He lost his kingdom. Uzziah did that, also known as Azariah, and he became a leper, for the end till the end of his life, so the Lord was very serious. <laughs> Kings are here and they're of the tribe of Judah, priests are here and they're of the tribe of Levi, and they do not mix until the Messiah. Yes, he is the king priest. So, anyway, so Jeroboam has done all these things now, and he did this so that he would not lose the kingdom, the ten tribes. Did he achieve his goal? Do you think? I'm going to tell you the outcome of this. 1 Kings 14, 7 through 11. This is the outcome. Go say to Jeroboam, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel. God himself did this. And tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, yet. You have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart, to do only that which is right in my sight. You also have done more evil than all who were before you. Would you like that for your epitaph? Yeah. And have gone and made for yourself other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger, and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I am bringing calamity on the house of Jeroboam, I will cut off from Jeroboam every male person, both bond and free in Israel, and I will make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam, as one sweeps away dung until it is all gone. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and he who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat, for the Lord has spoken it. So Jeroboam did this so that he could retain the kingdom that he had. He he did not listen to the Lord he made a pagan worship system and the Lord not only took the kingdom away from him but a genocide happened and his entire family was wiped out and they were not buried but they were eaten by dogs and allowed to rot yeah yeah, yeah you have to remain in faith you have to remain in faith and the Lord you know actually following the Lord is not difficult it just goes against your reasoning (laughs) many times you know it goes against your reasoning and you'll say okay um okay i'll do that yeah or okay i will refrain from doing that please help me to refrain from doing that so and and the lord will bless you greatly if you do that so anyway that's the end of what the quarterly covered and a lot of it is so let me just give you an overview. This is of 1 Kings 13 1 through 1628 and also Second Chronicles ten through sixteen. So the Lord sent a prophet to Jeroboam that his alternate alternative worship system would fail. And he prophesied that Josiah by name, who would assume the throne of Judah 260 years 269 years after Jeroboam died would desecrate his altars. So is what you said. Yeah. yeah so yeah at the end of Jeroboam's reign when he died 269 years would pass and then Josiah would arise as king of Judah and this unnamed prophet came to Bethel and prophesied this. To Jeroboam himself. Now, Jeroboam reigned for 21 years and he died. Rehoboam followed the Lord in Judah for three years and then turned to idolatry in the fourth year. In the fifth year of Rehoboam, the Lord sent Pharaoh Shishak against Jerusalem to plunder the wealth of the temple. And remember those gold shields that Solomon had made and he put in his palace those who were taken by Pharaoh Shishak in Rehoboam's fifth year. Rehoboam reigned for 17 years. His son Abijah took over. He was a bad king overall, but there's a passage where he goes to war with Israel. I forget which one it was. It might have been Baasha. And he said, we have the Lord on our side. We have the priests who are Levites. We have the temple sacrifices. God is with us and not with you. And they prayed to the Lord, and they won that battle. And it was very lopsided against them. So that was the one good thing about Abijah. But in general, he did not follow the Lord. And he only reigned for three years. And then Asa came to power. And he was the first good king of this divided kingdom. And he was a good king until the end when he kind of lost it. And uh, like he had a disease in his feet, he didn't go to the Lord, just to the physicians. And he actually jailed one of the prophets. But overall, he was a good king. In Israel, after Jeroboam died, his son Nadab reigned for one year. Then he was assassinated, and all of Jeroboam's family was killed to fulfill that prophecy by Baasha. Baasha reigned 22 years, and then his son took over for one year, and then his entire family was assassinated. And that was also prophesied against Baasha, that he would suffer the same thing that he had done to Jeroboam. And the assassin was a guy named Zimri who reigned for one week and uh, because he assassinated the king, Elah. And then the people rose up and thought, we think Omri would be a better king. And so they supported Omri. And so Zimri went into a, a palace or something and burned it down on himself. And so then... Omri and Tibni were vying for rulership in Israel for the first, uh, I think, about five years of Omri. And Tibni, Omri won that civil war. And so Omri ruled in Israel then for 11 years. And uh, next lesson, we'll learn about King Ahab, who is Omri's son. And Omri did more evil than any who were before him up to that time. Omri is also the one who built Samaria as the capital of the northern kingdom. So, and that was in uh, 874 BC. That's where we'll pick it up. Yeah, you need a table to keep this straight. yeah, 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 in the quarterly, there's a chart, which is very helpful of the... So anyway, amen, and next week we'll see about Ahab and Elijah, which is